It is Unleashed with me, John Lund, from KMBR Radio in San Francisco for Thursday, December 9th, 2022. Three big stories on the agenda today. The Giants need to change their approach to free agency. Is Jimmy coming back or not? And maybe it's just not the Warriors' year. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund, from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Appreciate you hanging out and making... Unleashed, your first stop for Bay Area Sports Talk each weekday. A few things to go over today, but uh, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe or get your favorite podcast, whether that be Apple, Spotify, your favorite place. YouTube channel is up and running, so make sure you uh, watch on the YouTube channel. We put some graphics up there and things that you need to check out, so make sure you watch and subscribe. All you have to do is search Unleashed, Bay Area Sports Talk, John Lund. Listen, subscribe, all those things. My day job at KNBR in San Francisco, KNBR 680. If you're not in the Bay Area, you can stream it, KNBR.com. React in the comments. If you hit the YouTube channel, just react in those comments. I will answer those questions, the best ones. I will put up on the board as well, so make sure that you do that. And uh, at John Lund Radio, whether it be Twitter or Instagram, any of those ways, you can hit up me, and then I will answer all those questions as well, at John Lund Radio. And I appreciate it in advance. If you are new to the podcast and we're growing every day, appreciate it. Thank you so much for stopping by. What we do is we'll go through if it's uh, Aaron Judge, for example, which it's been over the last week. We'll really pound the Aaron Judge. I'll try to give you different angles and stories and different things that I am hearing, which you did through the whole Aaron Judge process. We are past that, and we'll get into the Giants side of things. Not only the things that you obviously see, like who are they going to go after next, but I think there's a full approach and it's pretty obvious that it's need to be needed to be done for a long time. And for a progressive organization to not realize this is kind of strange. But we'll get into that conversation uh, today as well. Plus, Jimmy Garoppolo, there is some back and forth on whether he has an opportunity to come back this year or not. Kyle Shanahan spoke, and you will hear that in the podcast today. And then uh, the Warriors, uh, they lose one in Utah, and it starts to look like, and if you listen to my KMBR show on any bit of regularity, which I hope that you would, uh, look, I'll go down with the Titanic of the Warriors ship this year. I will play the violins. I will uh, let others, women and children, jump onto those rafts because I do think they're going to make a run. But we are now 26 games into the season. And at about 41, the halfway point, everybody does the quarter poll awards. Uh, that is one evaluation. But certainly by the midway point, the Warriors should start to play better. Now, again, I always tell you this, if they're not going to panic, and they're not panicking because if there's a minor injury or they think that Steph or Dre or Wiggins is tired like tonight, they just don't play the guys. And if they were panicked and thought, we got to win all these games, they wouldn't do that. So they're not panicked. I'm not panicked. I'm not jumping off. But certainly there are some warning signs that we'll discuss in the podcast today. So again, thank you so much if you are new. Thank you so much if you are a returning listener or watcher. Let's get to it in today's leadoff spot. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. He got the Yankees to believe that he actually would leave. I think he didn't want to leave, as is exemplified by the fact that we're sitting here talking about this today. But he convinced the Yankees he would, and it got the Yankees to go to this place. And I just read that column that you were talking about, and you mentioned how they needed him for the roster, and they needed him for marketing, but perhaps more than anything, reputation? Is that the case? Yeah, well, I think the reputation of the owner. Look, Hal Steinbrenner, 
clearly did not like getting booed at the Derek Jeter ceremony this year. It looked he, he looked stunned by it. The criticism only worsened for the organization. You know, I wanted to play that longer, but it was Joel Sherman talking about the Aaron Judge situation, and I can only take so much because I'm past it. It's it's Aaron Judge. We talked uh, to the point of uh, nauseam about Aaron Judge and what the reasons why Aaron Judge should come home. And yesterday, and I, I went through it yesterday. If you missed the podcast yesterday, it's kind of fun. We went through the timeline. We put the tweets up on if you're watching on the YouTube channel. We went through everything and why he did and why he would and why he should and ultimately didn't. And whether the reasons be Californian taxes, whether it be the ballpark, which I'll get to in a minute, whether it be that they don't have a closer, which I question, because one thing about Joel Sherman on MLB Network and talking about the desperation of the, of the Yankees and Hal Steinbrenner, and if you're of a certain age, you remember George Steinbrenner, and he was a closer. And there are certain guys with teams, like you look at the 49ers right now, Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are closers. And if they want somebody, they're going to get them. Uh, Steve Kerr, Bob Myers, the Warriors, they have closers. They get guys. Uh, Farhan Zaidi, I don't know if he's a closer. Um, Gabe Kapler, nothing against Gabe. He's very Teflon. If you look at any interview he does, he's very impersonal. Uh, when he talks, he's not warm and fuzzy. Uh, I don't know that he's a closer. I don't know who the closer is for the Giants. And this has been going on for years, so it's not just this front office. But what I'm advocating is I is you can go through the reasons all you want, whether they and I said this, you got to knock out the champ. They didn't knock out the champ. They didn't go ten years and four hundred million dollars according to reports. They went to about three eighty and they stayed at nine years and the Yankees went nine years and three sixty and you're not going to knock out the champ that way. So we can get into all the reasons at John Lund Radio. Hit me up in the comments on the YouTube channel. If you want to still go through the Aaron Judge thing, we can, but there's a bigger issue with the Giants here and given the analytical approach and all the smart guys who are a hell of a lot smarter than I am in the front office of the Giants and this is not just this administration it's been going on for years so let me give you the example Mike Hampton and I went back and looked at the exact years if you remember Mike Hampton who signed with the Rockies after having a a pretty good career with the Astros and then one year with the Mets uh, he signed with the Rockies in 2008 years 121 million dollars And the Rockies never did that again. And what I mean by that is they never uh, waded into the deep end of the pool. In 2008 and 121 was a big deal. It was the biggest in baseball at the time. And they never went back and did that again in terms of high-end starting pitching and giving out all that money. Why? Because it's just not worth the dough in Colorado to pursue that kind of pitching. And what they decided to do was pursue hitters in free agency, which they would easily go there. Chris Bryant went there last year for, I think, $182 million. They can get hitters any time of the day, but they can't get pitchers. And so what does Colorado have to do with pitchers? They have to draft and develop, or they have to trade for pitching because going out and getting Mike Hampton for 8-121, and and in two seasons with the Rockies, he went 21-28 and with a 575 ERA. Before that, he was in Houston, went 76-50 and with a 359. One season with the Mets, 15-10 and and a 314. Then two seasons after signing that 8-121 and 121 in 2000, Hampton went 541 ERA, 6-15 ERA, and was traded to the Braves. And they never went that deep into that kind of pitching and free agency again. How does that relate to the Giants, you asked? I'm glad you asked. How that relates is the Giants can get pitching all day long. And what they should have done, and I'll give you the illustrations in a second, what they should have done and what they should know by now, because I went back to the 2010 offseason because that's as far back as I could go. But that's pretty good over the last 12 years. And it's been going on a a lot, a hell of a lot longer than that. But I'll give you the example. So stay with me on this. And I'll pop it up on the board for you momentarily if you're watching on the YouTube channel. It's another reason you should subscribe to the YouTube channel. 
uh, Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk with me, John Lund. Just search it, and you can get on YouTube and be, become a subscriber. appreciate it. And we'll start doing live streams and all those kind of things. But why the, the Rockies don't go for high-end pitching, the Giants shouldn't go for high-end sticks. And what they should have done this offseason and what they should have done in administrations before that and how they won a World Series was with pitching and timely hitting. So what you do is, what the Rockies do, they draft and develop pitching, or at least they try, and then they can sign bats in free agency. The Giants are the opposite. This ballpark is very difficult to hit home runs. The air is heavy. Uh, and I don't think it's as much about, and I, my co-host Greg Pop would agree, he said it was about the pinstripes with Aaron Judge. Well, they haven't signed a high-end free agent hitter since Barry Bonds. They've traded for some. They've developed one or two. But they have not been able to get pen to paper and whether it be Bryce Harper, Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, whomever it is, don't give me Aaron Rowan, they haven't been able to sign high-end, I'm talking high-end hitters, to put pen to paper because they don't want to hit here, just like pitchers in Co- now in Colorado do not want to pitch there, and they're not signing there. And it doesn't matter how much you, uh, you offer them. So change your approach if you're the Giants. So what they should have done in this offseason was go hard at Jacob DeGrom and go hard at Kodai Senga, the Japanese pitcher who they still could get, uh, go hard and get Carlos Rodon back. They should have never let him le- leave the building. Build up the bullpen again. And and so the way in the Padres, and we'll get to this in a minute, signed uh, Xander Bogarts last night for $280 million. And so now they have Machado at 300 They have Xander Bogarts at 280 They have Fa- Fernando Tatis at 342 And they have Juan Soto, who's not under contract long-term. But they have major bats. You know what the Dodgers have? Major bats. Arizona's got a nice young farm system. Major bats coming up. Maybe they'll do something. Maybe they won't. So how do you do that? You either try to contend with that type of hitting with hitting of your own. So you fight fire with fire or you bring a water hose, which is pitching. So the Giants can't get hitters to come to this park. Aaron Judge, a hometown guy, the guy at a central casting that you would say who could turn turnstiles and actually come home and hit it out of any ballpark. He could hit out of hit it out of Yellowstone. Hell, he could hit it out of Jellystone. A picnic basket. That, it, it, so he wouldn't come here. Barry Bonds was the only one. So stop doing that. What was the Einstein thing? The, uh, the definition of insanity? Stop doing that. Hitters won't come here. Pitchers will. Ding, 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 ding. Real easy. Draft and develop and trade for hitting. Sign pitching. So they shouldn't have gone after Aaron Judge. They shouldn't have wasted the time. They shouldn't go after Carlos Correa. Don't waste your time. Don't overpay. Don't panic. Now, you can't get Jacob DeGrom. You can get Carlos Rodon. You can get Kodai Singa. Give yourself in the division while everybody else is zinging, you zang. Zing, zang. Zing, zang. Whatever it is. You go the other way, which is you go pitching strong. Bullpen, starters, get them all. Corner the market. Get five number ones if you have to. And then you take that surplus of pitching and you trade it for hitting. So now Alex Wood and Anthony DiSclefani and who, you know whoever you have laying around afterwards say, you know what, we're going to trade these guys and we're going to get hitters because they've got to come if we trade for them. How hard is that concept? Not very because if I can come up with it, they should be able to come up with it. Why am I coming up with it like that? Let me flash this on the screen for you and thanks for staying with me through that rant. Look on the screen right now. Let's start in 2010. I'll do this quickly so your eyes don't glaze and you get the glazed donut look. Mark DeRosa, 2010. This is a 2010 offseason. Mark DeRosa, Benji Molina, Aubrey Huff. He was pretty good. Don't agree with him personally, but he was good. Juan Uribe. All right, that was as good as we're going to get. 
2011 offseason, Miguel DeHada. He was way, way too old. 2012 offseason, Gregor Blanco, Ryan Terrio. 2013 offseason, they had traded Andres Torres and got him back. That was the big signing. Remember Brandon Hicks? He hit that one home run. Michael Morris, 2014, not bad. 2015, former Cub Ronnie Cedeno. Remember him? 2016, these are just hitters that they signed. 2016, Grant Green, the former first-round pick of the A's, who they picked that year ahead of Mike Trout. 2017, Nick Hundley. That's cool. He won the Willie McCovey Award, but didn't do much else. 2018, Austin Jackson. Remember him? 2019, Donovan Solano, Cameron Mabin, Stephen Vogt. Nice names, nobody major. 2020, Darren Ruff, Wilmer Flores. They contributed. Not bad. 2021, Kirk Casale, Tommy LaStella. 2022, Jock Peterson. That's it. Not an all-star in the bunch. Not a Hall of Famer in the bunch. Not a turnstile turner in the bunch. That's who they sign as hitters. That's over the last 13 off-seasons. Those are the guys that said yes. Major flaws with all those guys. Darren Ruff came over from Japan. Jock Peterson had bounced around three teams in two seasons. Dodgers, Cubs, Braves. That doesn't count as a major signing in my book. I don't know about you, at John Lund Radio. In that same time, all right, in that same span from 2010 to 2022, pitchers that they signed from a free agent standpoint, Barry Zito, and you may not think that that's a great signing, but he helped them win a World Series. But the reason they even got Barry Zito was because they got turned down that offseason by hitters, had a bunch of money laying around, and they threw it at Barry Zito at the last minute because they couldn't get hitters to come. So during that same time, again, Zito, Ryan Vogelsong, Tim Hudson, Jake Peavy, Johnny Cueto, Jeff Samarja, Mark Melanson, Tony Watson, Tyler Anderson, Kevin Gosman, Drew Smiley, Anthony DiSclefani, Alex Wood, Jake McGee, Alex Cobb, Carlos Rodon. So those are the pitchers they got in that span. You can see that on the screen. Is it that difficult to understand? Stop going after hitters. Stop wasting your time going after hitters in free agency. They won't come. If you look at the analytics of the ballpark, other than for some weird reason, the season they won 107 games and the pandemic lockout season of 60 games, the ballpark played a little bit smaller. But every year... After its opening, they hit a bunch of home runs, but most years, that's it. You're not hitting the ball out of the ballpark no matter what it's called. It can be called AT&T or Pac Bell or uh, Oracle, whatever it is. The ball ain't flying out. Hitters know it. Agents know it. Put in California taxes, all those other aspects. Aaron Judge didn't think the Giants would win, and he's probably not wrong, and the Yankees would. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why he didn't come, but there's a lot of different reasons why a lot of major Big-time hitters don't come, and they won't come, and it's not a small sample size. So what do you do? They're going one way. They're going right. You go left. Pitching, 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 more pitching. Overload pitching, and then the pitching you develop, you can trade to get hitters. It's not hard. you got to trade for hitters. you got to make them come. you got to draft and develop hitters, which is easier said than done. So really, the trade route for major hitters is the way you've got to go. And then you sign the pitchers. So it should have been DeGrom. It should have been Kodai Senga. It could have been Carlos Rodon. It should have been Justin Verlander. That should have been your approach. That should always be your approach if you're the Giants. You are the Rockies of pitching. They can't get pitching. You can't get hitting. Since my captain, they don't go after pitching anymore like that. They try to draft, develop, and trade it. Give me your thoughts. At John Lund Radio. Uh, The Bogart side of this whole thing... As you can see on the screen, there's our good friend John Heyman, who has had a hell of a winter meetings. 
11 years, $280 million. We should not be shocked by that. But the one thing I will say is the Dodgers signed enough free agents. The Padres signed enough free agents. Uh, the taxes, which we always talk about at 13.3%, whatever. It's not an, that's not a factor uh, if you pay guys the right way. Uh, the frustrating part about this for Giants fans, I'm sure, is if the Padres – the Dodgers have a lot of revenue more than the Giants. Even though the Giants are a major revenue team, they don't always act like it. But the Padres are not a major revenue team. And they've got Tatis, Machado, Bogart, Soto – the Rangers are not a major market high revenue team, and yet in the offseason last year, they got Seager, they got Simeon. Uh, this year, they got Jacob DeGrom. So it's frustrating for, especially in your own division, to see Xander Bogarts go to the Padres and the Giants get nothing again. I get it. Uh, the shortstop market, let me flash this on the screen for you. Jesse Rogers from ESPN, and he specifically covers the Cubs, but does a great job covering baseball. As you can see on the screen there, he thought Bogarts was going to go back to the Red Sox. Uh, the Red Sox were in on him. They were talking to him today in San Diego, but the Padres blew them away with that offer. So he goes there. Uh, Carlos Correa, he says, Giants, uh, Padres were in on him, Twins, maybe Cubs. The re weird reason about Correa not going to the Dodgers, I don't know if you heard this yesterday, but they decided that their fan base, because they got beat by the Astros in the 2017 World Series, they decided that their fan base would not put up with Carlos Correa, and they decided not to pursue Correa, which shocks me because it's been my experience through the years that once a player is on your team, no matter how much he's hated, that now that he's on your team, he will be cheered the minute he starts doing some good things for you. So whatever. Uh, the Dodgers know their business a lot more than I do, but I've never heard of that. So that's the latest. The Giant, And this is the problem with the Giants now. You went so hard after Aaron Judge. Now you try to wade yourself into the shortstop pool and – there's four or five teams after Correa. Bogarts just went off the menu. And now Dansby Swanson, and I think this is a smart move by the Cubs. Jesse Rogers told us today on my KMBR show, which you can hear from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific, and you can go online at KMBR.com and listen to those podcasts as well. We had Jesse Rogers on, and he said that the Cubs are after Swanson from the Braves and that he would cost half of what Carlos Correa would. So, again, if you're the Giants, I want them to pursue pitching. I want to get Radon back. I want to get uh, Kodai Senga, the pitcher from Japan. I want to fortify the bullpen before I get a bunch of bats because I just think that's the way to go. But he was saying that Swanson would cost half of what Correa would. So I wouldn't waste my time with Carlos Correa. I would try to get Dansby Swanson for half that number, and then I'd still have some money left to really throw around for the pitching. Give me your thoughts on that at John Lund Radio. I, why would I pay for Correa? When, uh, why would I pay 10 and 327 or something, which was the number for Correa, which is probably going to be higher, when I could get Swanson for probably half that, maybe six or seven years for Swanson? He had better offensive numbers last year. He's a better defender, and he's younger. Correa is not worth twice what uh, Swanson is. He's not. I understand going after Judge for 363, 8400. He would have been a turnstile turner from Northern California, but Correa is not that much better, if at all, than Dansby Swanson for half. Dial me in for Dansby Swanson, even though I said keep it with the pitching. So there you go. That is the latest on the Giants. Change the approach. Give me your thoughts on that, both on the YouTube channel under the comments and on the podcast if you hit me up at John Lund Radio. So that's the story. On the Giants, let's move it on. we got a lot of stuff to hit today. What is Jimmy Garoppolo's status? What's the update on Jimmy Garoppolo and what did 
What have you found out about his diagnosis? It, it's not a list frank. They don't have to do surgery on it. Um, still going to be a big recovery, um, but much less than what we anticipated, which is awesome news for him in the offseason. He'll be good to go right away, so it won't be like last year. Um, really, I mean, there's that way outside chance, you know, late in the playoffs or something like that, but um, it's just an outside chance. I'm not really real optimistic about that, but they didn't rule it out. Um, We've we got to play that by year, kind of with our whole roster. I mean, our goal is to get to the playoffs, so we got to make sure we do the best thing possible for that, and that is the issue with IR, and most likely, even if that did happen, he wouldn't be able to come back for, for that, so we'll see how these IR decisions play out over the next couple. All right, that is uh, Kyle Shanahan from his press conference on Wednesday. He always has a press conference on Wednesday because that's the first day you start installing for the game on Sunday, which is the Buccaneers and Tom Brady, which we'll get into in podcasts the rest of the week, and we'll get more into the 49ers. But Jimmy's status is interesting in that, at first, they thought it was a Liz Franck injury. Liz Franck? I don't know if that's French. But they thought it was a Liz Franck injury, which would have required surgery, and probably the 49ers Jim and Jimmy would have been in the same boat as last offseason when he had the shoulder issue, and we would have had to do that all over again, and do you sign Jimmy and Trey, and when is Jimmy going to be ready? So they don't have to deal with any of that. But for this season, as Brock Purdy gets ready for Tom Brady on Sunday, there was optimism. Adam Schefter had come out in a tweet and said it was going to be seven to eight weeks. In fact, here's the tweet right there. That said it was going to be seven to eight weeks for Jimmy Garoppolo's injury. And so we started doing a little bit of math, and then we had heard maybe it would even be less than that. We said, well, let's carry the two, and math is not my thing, but... It was maybe going to be the divisional playoff that Jimmy Garoppolo could return so Brock Purdy could play in the wild card. Maybe Jimmy could be back for the divisional six, seven, eight weeks. Uh, they're doing certain things that you do for professional athletes that I'm that I if I tried to explain it to you, I hell I, I understand, but I don't. But long story short is Kyle Shanahan just kind of threw a bunch of water on that and said, I, I don't think that he's going to be ready. And so I guess you're riding with Brock Purdy the rest of the way, which is a little bit surprising because a lot of people were optimistic, wanted to talk to Kyle today, and it sounds like uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be ready uh, the rest of the way. Now, look, I think Brock Purdy, the Bucks, offensively really struggling, certainly can't run the ball. Defensively, they're very good. Seattle, Washington, the Raiders, the Cardinals. With eight wins, I think they could probably get three the rest of the way under Brock Purdy and go 11-6 and six and win the division. That's not a problem. They're not going to get the bye. They're not going to catch the Eagles. They're not going to catch the Vikings. They're not going to catch the Cowboys, but they'll be because they're a division winner, they'll be a, a like a four seed in there, and they'll be okay. They could win a, a wild card game at home, and then I thought, well, Jimmy's going to be back. Now, what Kyle was saying today, we didn't part, play this part of the clip for you, is that there's a big difference between being healed and then being ready to play. He said that, yeah, it could be six to eight weeks to be healed, but then he's got it needs a couple, two, three weeks to ramp up. And it makes sense because if Brock Purdy has led you to this point and he's playing that well, and even if Jimmy Garoppolo was ready, and we've seen this before, Brock Purdy would actually still play, I would imagine, just because he's in the midst of it. They're playing under him. To put a guy in there that hasn't played in a number of weeks, you just probably wouldn't do that. As much sense as it makes, it's like, okay, let's get Jimmy back. But is that we talk about this all the time in the podcast. There's a difference between a guy playing and a guy being healthy enough. Okay, he's in the game, but we've seen it lots of times. I think we saw it from Trent Williams in the NFC Championship game last year. He just he wasn't himself. So, yeah, you, you could see certain guys on the field, but sometimes it's not going to be themselves. The other thing is, so it's big rooster Brock the rest of the way 2023. Uh, if I, I, 
if you want to look up big roster, uh, big rooster Brock, it's actually Big C Brock. That's the thing that's trending on Twitter constantly. But what's funny about this weekend too is you might be seeing the 2023 49ers quarterback on the field. It's just that he plays for the Buccaneers, and that's a story for another day. But there certainly are rumblings, and I know there are Aaron Judge rumblings too, and that didn't come true. But Tom Brady is a true free agent at the end of the year, and watch him this weekend. While he can't move in the pocket much, he certainly doesn't miss reads or throws. He's still very accurate. He has enough arm strength. There's no question about it. If Jimmy Garoppolo, whom they can't franchise in the offseason, and I do believe he's going to go to one of the New York teams, either the Giants or the Jets, he knows Sala, so I could see him going to the Jets. He could be a model there. There's a lot of things Jimmy could do. And the Jets have a really good defense, and Robert Sala saw it firsthand how far Jimmy Garoppolo could help you get if you have a good defense. I think he's going to be in uh, green next year with the Jets. Zach Wilson's done in New York. And I think it's very possible that Tom Brady could be the quarterback of the 49ers for one last hurrah against or, or for the 49ers in 2022 because he can't move, but he can still throw. You'll see it on Sunday. All right, next, final. Let's get to the Warriors. That'll be right away, so it's asking. Oh, ball's down. Picked up. Beasley with a chance. Inside. Yes! Fantecchio! Off the steal by Utah. It's over. Wow. It's over. The Jazz beat the world champions. Ironically enough, that was a loss last night in Utah. Ironically enough, the voices that you heard there from the Utah Jazz TV network are Craig Bullerjack and Thurl Bailey, the former jazz man. Craig Bullerjack is the f- a guy that I did the first radio show of my career with, man, 1998, maybe? I used to work for the Utah Jazz radio network, and I first got in the business, was a sideline reporter for the Utah Jazz during the Bulls runs in 97 and 98. Didn't know what I was doing, but I'm hanging out talking to Michael Jordan, so that was pretty cool. I was assigned the Bulls locker room, and I'm like, uh, uh, okay. But anyway, enough about me. That was Craig Bullerjack on the call there, and the Warriors are up four with 13 seconds left. Inexplicably, they leave Malik Beasley wide open. He hits a three. Then they, They've just got seconds left in the game. All you got to do is inbounds the ball, hold on to it. Jordan Poole's got the ball. He's one of the best free-throw shooters in the league. He hits two free throws. You're going to win that basketball game. But uh, they don't. They inbounds it. He fumbles it. You heard it. Jazz get it. Dunk it. They try a full-length pass. They lose the game. There was no way they should have lost that game in Utah. And you heard Craig Bolajak at the end of that say, they beat the world champs. Well, they really didn't beat the world champs because Steph Curry didn't play. And Draymond Green didn't play. And Andrew Wiggins didn't play. And I continue to bang the drum on this. If the Warriors aren't panicked, I'm not panicked. And they're not panicked because they're not playing players all of the time. And it's all about the long term. So if the Warriors were worried about the short term and not getting into the playoffs, then they would probably not worry about the long term and they'd play Steph Curry. But they're saving Steph Curry and Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins for what? A long run into the playoffs because they're not worried. So I'm not panicked. So you should not be panicked. Now, one thing I will say, having said that, is we're 26 games in. 41 games is the midway point. So that's going to be the big milestone where we determine what the Warriors are and we normally would do that uh, let me flat so the question becomes can they just flip a switch let me pop up if you're watching on the YouTube channel the NBA standings and there the Warriors sit in the 10 hole Pelican 16 and 8 Suns 16 and 9 Grizz 16 and 9 Nuggets 14 and 10 Kings 13 and 10 Jazz 15 12 you see it Mavs Blazers Clippers Warriors at 13 and 13 let me ask you this question you want to bet against the Warriors? Now, this is what it would be right now. We're only 26 games in, but let's have a little fun. 
Anyone want to bet against the Warriors to go beat the Blazers and the Clippers in the play-in tourney, be the eighth seed, take out the Pelicans in the first round, take out the Nuggets in the second round, and take out the Suns in the East Finals? That's what they'd be up against. And if I were any of those teams, they're beating the Pelicans. They're, they're they'd win that tournament. They'd beat the Pelicans. They'd beat the Nuggets. I don't know if they'd beat the Suns. Uh, the Celtics just took apart the Suns tonight. So I don't know if they'd beat the Celtics. But again, the 73-win Warriors didn't win a championship. Uh, I was in Dallas, covered the 67-win Mavericks in 2007. The We Believe Warriors beat him. It's not about how many games you win. But you do have to start playing quality basketball, championship basketball at some point. But they've got about 57 games, I think, 58, whatever the number is. They've got about that. They've got a lot of time to get better. So, look, I'm not panicking. Uh, we are 26 games into the season. That is a fair amount. That is a fair chunk. At 41, we'll take a look at it again. But I am not panicked because Steve Kerr is not panicked. And the Warriors don't seem panicked to me as well. At John Lund Radio, are you panicked? Are you worried? What about the scenario I just laid out to you of going through that Clippers, Blazers, win the play-in tournament, take on the Pelicans, take on the Nuggets, take on the Suns? They could do that all on the road. I mean, this team is fully capable of that. Now, I don't think they're going to be the 10 seed as they sit right now at 13 and 13. I think they're still get up into the four seed. I mean, again, we are so early. There are only a few games out of a, a top three or four seed, which is where they were last year, uh, third, as they won 53 games. And they won an NBA championship. So, look, I'm not panicking because they didn't beat the world champs, the Jazz. They beat a version of it. They didn't play Steph Curry. They didn't play Draymond Green, and they didn't play Andrew Wiggins. They didn't play three-fifths of the starting lineup. And Steve Kerr's not panicked. He's looking long-term, or he would have played those guys last night against the Jazz. Now, in its inexplicable loss, stupid loss, shouldn't have lost. They've got to get better. But if they're not going to panic, I'm not going to panic. And there you go. That is Unleashed. Barry is Sports Talk with me, John Lund, KMBR Radio in San Francisco for Thursday. I think I said December 9th. It's December 8th. Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Sorry, I jumped the gun on a day. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just search it, Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk. You uh, you can jump on the uh, podcast and uh, Apple, Spotify, all those places as well. KMBR, my day job from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And react in the comments and at John Lund Radio. That is Unleashed, Barry Sports Talk for December 8th on the Locked On Podcast Network.